engine running. Liftoff. We have a liftoff. Good evening. Welcome. It is Eric Erickson here. News 95.5 AM 750 WSB. The phone number 404-872-0750. 1-800-WSB-TALK. If you haven't already, you are going to want to come to the Resurgent Gathering August 1st through the 4th here in Atlanta. It is only $99. We are about to really jack up the price because uh, we have some big announcements that will be coming. Right now, though, Governor Brian Kemp, Senator David Perdue, Senator Tom Cotton, Senator Tim Scott, Senator, um, which other senators do we have? Um, oh, yeah, I can't announce him yet. Um, uh, Congressman Doug Collins, Mark Meadows, uh, Jody Heist, they're all coming. Text Atlanta to 345345 for the registration link. Uh, again, the price is about to go up, so you can still get it for $99. Y'all, can you just, you heard the clip in the newscast of Georgia Right to Life uh, urging people to cancel their Netflix over the fetal heartbeat legislation. This is really, really rich. Let me, one of the problems cons- the conservative movement has these days is the grifter issue, where you got a lot of people out there who uh, they're trying to make money off of conservatives. And they're really not contributing to the cause. We have two pro-life groups, purportedly pro-life groups in Georgia. One is the Georgia Right to Life and one is the Georgia Life Alliance. I helped start the Georgia Life Alliance in response to the lunacy of the Georgia Right to Life. Uh, Georgia Right to Life is out right now sending out emails to people urging them to sign a petition against Netflix and Disney and whatnot. And there's a big donate to Georgia Right to Life button. You would never know that Georgia Right to Life opposed the fetal heartbeat legislation. That's right. The the Right to Life group in Georgia, Georgia Right to Life, actually opposed the pro-life legislation. I want you to just 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 think about this for a minute. You you have a a Georgia Right to Life group, a pro-life group in Georgia that opposed pro-life legislation that is now trying to fundraise off of Hollywood wanting to boycott Georgia. That 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 sounds like grifting to me it does. Now there, there is a good pro-life group in Georgia. I'm biased. I helped start them, the Georgia Life Alliance. I actually helped start them and then I had to step away from them because some members of the legislature really hate my guts and didn't want to deal with Georgia Life Alliance. So I had to step step off the board and say, "You know what? God bless you. I'll pray for you. I support you, but I, I won't have my name on the group so you might be able to get in and in the house and and David Ralston won't lock the doors and keep you out." Um, they're a solid group. But Georgia Right to Life opposed the fetal heartbeat legislation. Now, the reason they opposed it is because it has an exception for rape. Uh, they, they are uh, pure, true believers. If you have any exceptions at all, they flat out oppose your legislation. They'd rather keep killing all the kids if they can't stop killing 100% of the kids. So it's all or nothing with them. Georgia Life Alliance is like, you know what? This will at least begin to curtail abortion. We'll support that legislation. And so it is really, really rich to see Georgia Right to Life that opposed the fetal heartbeat legislation now fundraising off of it. It just, uh, and I, I feel the need to point that out here on this program, running petitions and whatnot. It's nonsensical uh, when they actively oppose the legislation. Now, today is a big anniversary. It happened on, I distinctly, distinctly remember this day because it happened the day after my birthday. We were living in Dubai still at the time, and it was a huge international news story. 30 years ago today, uh, and in fact, it really just by the way, if, if you ever need to do the middle math in your head, uh, China is 12 hours ahead of us. So because it is 4, 11 
p.m. right now in Atlanta. It is 4.11 a.m. there tomorrow, June 5th. Uh, so it was uh, the story was happening here on my birthday, June third, when it was actually June. It took me forever to figure out why everybody said it was June fourth when I remembered it being on my birthday. Well, the reason is because it, it happened uh, in China. We're twelve hours ahead of us, and it happened on June fourth, where Chinese troops began gunning down dissident protesters in Tiananmen Square. And in fact, you can go to China today. Uh, I have friends who have done this, and you can tour Tiananmen Square. And you are required to go with an official government tour guide if you go tour Tiananmen Square. And when you bring up the massacre at Tiananmen, uh, the tour guide will tell you that that was Western government propaganda designed to harm Chinese morale, that the event never happened. They flat out deny that the event ever happened. We have a lot of people in this country, and the reason I bring this up here at the very beginning of this program today is because we have a ton of people in the United States of America who have become convinced that our government, our country has become authoritarian or totalitarian. I'm sorry, I'm half Swedish. I can't speak today. Um, authoritarian or totalitarian. They can stand in the town square and say that because we are not. Uh, because we still are the shining city on the hill. Because we are a light in the world for people who live in totalitarian regimes. And I'm afraid that we, uh, as we kind of turn our backs to the world and to our post-World War II obligations, uh, we run the risk more and more of, um, uh, of discouraging people from wanting democracy. But here we are now, 30 years after Tiananmen Square, where the Chinese are no longer looking at wanting to be a regional superpower. They're wanting to be a global superpower. And there is a night and day difference between the United States and China. And I fear we're in such unserious times now that people have just become discombobulated, disenchanted, disheartened uh, with what we in the world stand for. And all you need to do is look at the country that murdered its citizens in a square demanding democracy 30 years ago today and know that if you go there now 30 years later they deny that it ever happened the people who were there have been rounded up many of them disappeared sometimes randomly now detained the man the infamous picture i'll never forget that picture i, I remember when it first came out uh, the man who stood in front of the tanks holding his grocery bags stood in front of the tanks no one knows whatever happened to that person uh, but he is a, a a martyr to history, if nothing else. And it is highly important, I think, in our times where we have Antifa on the march. you got white supremacists out there. Uh, everyone wants to shut you up. You've got college campuses uh, where socialism is on the rise. It is important to remember that our country does stand for something very good in this world. And we're actually in the minority in the world. Most countries do not share our values. And if you don't believe me, go to those countries and start mouthing off and see what happens to you. It's really rich to hear Hollywood actors uh, downplay the United States and, and badmouth the United States and play up totalitarian regimes like Venezuela and the like. And if they were a citizen of that country saying that about those countries, they would be disappeared. And they're not here because we are a free country. It is worth remembering that. Now... There is, related to this, uh, a growing obsession among our media elite that we need, this country needs to be more like China. And they talk about efficiencies and whatnot when they do that. Uh, the, the Chinese willingness to invest in infrastructure and stuff. If you talk to anyone who goes to China, the reality is a lot of their infrastructure, it is very overbuilt. It is also not very good. 
Um, it, it, it falls apart. It's it very much like if you go to Dubai. I grew up in Dubai. Uh, things in Dubai are very ephemeral. They come and go. Many of the buildings in Dubai are empty. You would never know that. They keep the lights on. They make it look like somebody's home, and they're not. They're empty buildings. Uh, they have not been able to sustain all of the building in Dubai. Now, some of it is coming back. Uh, some of it is bouncing back, but there's still a lot of it is empty and crumbling. Uh, the, the build quality is not great there. Same in China, and yet on and on we go. It's also very rich, I think, to see companies like Apple, Disney, Netflix, whatnot. Uh, they badmouth a state like Georgia for passing pro-life legislation. They don't like conservatives. Um, they they are very, very into Pride Month right now and, and gay rights, and yet they're perfectly willing to deal with China that rounds up and interns Muslim citizens, that tears down churches, that persecutes people because of their sexual orientation, or for that matter, Iran, Saudi Arabia, like Disney, for God's sakes, is thinking of building a theme park in Saudi Arabia. I bet they won't have any homosexual employees there, but they'll still badmouth Georgia. It is uh, a silly, silly thing, a, a very silly uh, hypocrisy on these countries' part. And I, again, I raised this today. Some of you are probably thinking, well, this really isn't news, is it? But it is because we as a people tend to forget these things. The United States government today released a statement on Tiananmen Square and that the Chinese have never fully addressed what happened. The Chinese have never compensated the victims or addressed what happened to many of the people who were not just killed, but disappeared. A lot of people disappeared. They're presumed dead, but no one ever knows. China pretends those people never existed. The Chinese response today was to issue an advisory warning to Chinese citizens that due to random shootings in America, they should be cautious about traveling to the United States. Now, the Chinese also said they have no intention of escalating the trade war, essentially signaling that they are not going to disrupt the rare earth metals uh, market. But again, it is, it's just at a time where people are at each other's throat in this country, and a lot of people yell hysterically that we are some sort of authoritarian or totalitarian regime, we very much need to remember, one, we are not, and two, more importantly, China is. There is not a lot that we should be learning from or implementing from China because the Chinese government is a command and control communist society. Uh, one of the things that I'm afraid we're going to see, uh, a number of my friends in the adoption community are deeply worried about it, is that the Chinese will restrict uh, adoptions into the United States as Russia has begun doing. Um, it is, it's, it's not a good situation. And... I would encourage you all today to, if you have children with you, tell them about what happened in Tiananmen. Tell them about the Chinese. Tell them, remind them the Chinese really aren't good people. Now, when we come back, we have lots of other news of the day to get to, including David Platt and his prayer with President. Somehow becoming controversial, Cory Booker, had his minister laid hands on him and blessed him and worshipped him in the announcement of his running for president. That was not controversial to the press, but David Platt praying for the president, my goodness. And what about the president's kids going to Buckingham Palace?
Y'all, I am more and more concerned with internet security and privacy online, and you may think nobody wants your data or hackers can't grab your passwords or your credit card details, but you're wrong. It's increasingly common, particularly when you're in a coffee shop or whatnot, and you've got hackers in there sharing the public Wi-Fi. It's not a good thing, and that's why you need to consider using something like ExpressVPN. ExpressVPN secures and makes anonymous your internet browsing by encrypting your data, hiding your public IP address. It has easy-to-use apps that run seamlessly in the background of your computer, your phone, your tablet, and turning on ExpressVPN protection only takes one click. For less than $7 a month, you can get the same ExpressVPN protection that I and others have on our computers. You can use it too. Protect your online activity today. Find out how you can get three months free at expressvpn.com slash Eric. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N.com slash Eric, E-R-I-C-K, for three months free with a one-year package. Go to expressvpn.com com slash Eric to learn more. Now, can we talk about the president and his family going to Buckingham Palace? It's apparently a scandal in the American media. Uh, I, I got to tell you, it, as a dad, if I was president of the United States and the Queen of England invited me to come to a state dinner at Windsor Castle or Buckingham Palace, you're darn right my kids are coming with me. We are making this a family affair. That is just so cool. I mean, it's so cool. Can you really blame the president for wanting all of his kids? Really, the only one who didn't go, I guess, was Barron. I don't know where Barron was. Um, I, I guess you had to be 18 or older. I don't know. But it was pretty awesome. I mean, I, I, I do not begrudge the president. It's, it's really telling to me that the American media is trying to turn this into a scandal. It's like, by the way, so you know the John McCain story. I did not talk about it on radio because it just sounded too good to be true, and it turns out it was. Uh, yes, it is a fact now confirmed by the Defense Department that the White House Military Liaison Office uh, reached out and asked them to move the USS John McCain so the president would not see it. It was not a request from the president. It was a low-level aide who was trying to preemptively avoid problems. The Defense Department said they would not. Well, the media says the John McCain name was covered up. There's a problem now. The Defense Department is confirming that, yes, the the rear of the ship, uh, what is it, the, the, the bow of the ship, that the name, the USS John McCain, was covered with a tarp, but it wasn't because they didn't want the president to see it. The other ships were covered as well because they were painting the ships and did not want to paint over the name of the ships or, or get spray paint or whatever paint they were using on the backs of the ships covering up the names. That's what it was. So this is another example of the media getting a tiny bit of the story right and then blowing it out of proportion and turning it into scandal. Was there, there was none. Like, there's no scandal with the president taking his kids to Buckingham Palace, nor is there about a pastor praying for the president. It's the stern, not the bow. Thank you, Chris Chandler. <laughs> if you're just tuning in, welcome. It's Eric Erickson here. And the phone number is 404-872-0750-1800 WSB Talk. Um, I know Starboard, I know Port, I, I know Hull. Uh, stern and Bow, I know the names, but I always get them mixed up. Um, if you, what I'm talking about here is if you heard the story about the USS John McCain. Uh, and the, the, the stern being covered over so the president wouldn't see the name of the ship. Uh, it turns out that there is an underlying truth to the story, but the media basically got it all wrong. An aide in the military affairs office of the White House 
trying to preempt any potential problems with the president, asked the Defense Department to make sure the USS John McCain was nowhere to be seen when the president was in Tokyo. Uh, The Defense Department refused. The president himself had no knowledge of the request, nor did his chief of staff. It was an aide trying to be thoughtfully preemptive, thinking it might make the president mad, given his disdain for John McCain. The military said no. Well, a reporter got wind of the story. There was a photograph of the stern of the USS John McCain covered up. Uh, And the military says it had had nothing to do with that. Uh, They were painting the ships. The ships were in dock for maintenance. Part of that maintenance was painting, touching up paint. And all of the ships were having their sterns covered where the names of the ships are painted to avoid having to repaint the names. Now, the second part of the story is that John McCain's sailors were turned away from an event because they showed up wearing their USS John McCain caps and they didn't want the president to encounter them and say something not nice about John McCain. The Defense Department categorically denying this, saying that this was an event where members of the military in uniform were present. They're not allowed to wear their caps. They have to wear their uh, traditional naval hats. So any suggestion that people were showing up in caps that they were turned away was because they were not in proper dress uniform. Just it's amazing how the the media can take a, a story with a kernel of truth and twist it. There is another story out there being twisted by the media, and it is the story of David Platt. David Platt is the pastor at McLean Bible Church in McLean, Virginia. President Trump showed up on Sunday at that church, uh, was on stage, and David Platt prayed for him. The left is outraged, saying this is a campaign thing. I got to tell you, I can actually think of way more Democratic candidates campaigning in churches than I can Republicans. It's never an outrage when Democrats go into churches and and politic. I mean, look at the annual pilgrimages to Selma or to the Martin Luther King Jr. Center and Ebenezer Baptist Church. Uh, the, the Democrats go down there. They expl- are explicitly partisan from churches, and the media says nothing. But a president shows up on stage in McLean, Virginia, at a Baptist church, says nothing, and the church is attacked for politicizing things. The pastor is attacked. Well, David Platt released a letter. And by the way, David Platt, yes, if his name sounds familiar, he's at a big church in Birmingham, moved up to McLean, Virginia, has written a number of books, uh, very, very big into mission work. Uh, To the point you can read his books, I think, sometimes and feel very guilty that you haven't abandoned your life to go serve as a missionary in a third world country. Therefore, you must be a uh, bad person. Uh, And he doesn't mean that, but it comes across that way, I think, sometimes in his books. Nonetheless, he's a great pastor, a very good guy. And the White House reached out and said, "We, the president is on his way to the church. We are hoping you might pray for him. And Platt, of course, is not going to turn the president down and said, yes, they did not allow the president to speak on stage. And, and Platt's prayer was actually a very good prayer uh, for the president. And he, he sent out a letter to his congregation. And the congregation um, some of the members of the congregation support the president. I know a number of people who actually, uh, don't support the president who go there, but I know a lot who do. And so there, it became an issue and the pastor sought to explain to the congregation why he prayed for the president and the circumstances around it. Well, the media, the voice of America, uh, ABC news in Virginia, the Politico, I think the Washington post and one other outlet all ran headlines. Pastor apologizes for praying for the president. He did no such thing. 
I mean, you can read David Platt's letter. I don't have to read it for you. I don't have to even tell you this. You can read his letter. He never apologizes. He never says, I'm sorry. All he does is say, I, I know some of you are concerned. Here's what happened. Now, let, let me, this is David Platt praying for the president on stage. In that way upon his family, we pray that you would give them strength. We pray that you would give them clarity, wisdom, wisdom. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. Please, O oh God, give him wisdom and help him to lead our country alongside other leaders. We pray today for leaders in Congress. We pray for leaders in courts. We pray for leaders at national and state levels. Please, oh God, help us to look to you. Help us to trust in your word. Help us to seek your wisdom and live in ways that reflect your love and your grace your righteousness and your justice. We pray for your blessings on our president toward that end. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. It was a, a perfectly fine prayer. Scripture tells Christians to pray for their leaders. Uh, St. Peter, prior to being executed, uh, told Christians to pray for Nero, the the Roman emperor who would execute the Christians, who would use the use their bodies as lamps to light streets streets of Rome. Um, it, it, this was not out of the ordinary. But let me read you the caption of the Reuters video of this prayer. U.S. President Donald Trump made a surprise visit to a Virginia megachurch during special day of prayer held by evangelicals for him on Sunday, where a minister David Platt led a prayer in his honor. Now, the McLean Bible Church, where David Platt is the pastor, did not hold a special day of prayer for the president or anyone else. Uh, it, was, it was a regular Sunday, and they were about to go into the Lord's Supper when he was advised that the president was on his way to the church and would be there in about 14 minutes. So they administered communion, uh, held the congregation over, and the president appeared. Uh, his hair slicked back. He had a, had a baseball cap on and a polo shirt. He had been on a golf course. This is just silly, uh, absolutely silly, that the media would make such a big deal out of this and to attack the church and to claim that the pastor was apologizing. Y'all, I'm a big believer that there's real truth in the world, and I'm a big believer that the media needs to focus on the real truth. But there are so many out there who want to focus on narratives, and they don't they would ignore the truth that doesn't fit the narrative, but also they'll twist the truth to fit the narrative. And I don't think that's the way journalism is done. I don't think that's the way reporting should be done. It is the way more and more of them do do it. And I think that's a real problem. The biases in the media are really destroying the credibility of the media and how they've covered this, I think, is a pretty big reflection of those how those biases are destroying and consuming the media. Frankly, a lot of it with hatred for the president. I don't know about you guys, but I am in the South and it is hot and we are sweaty and I sweat. I do. And you got to be hydrated. Well, liquid IV hydrates you two to three times faster and more efficiently than water alone. And it adds vitamin C, B3, B5, B6, B12. Liquid IV is the fastest growing wellness brand out there. You can find them everywhere, even at Costco. 
I don't have a Costco around here. I really need to go to one, but I know they're in Costco, which is a really big deal. They utilize cellular transport technology, CTT, a specific ratio of glucose from pure cane sugar, sodium from salt, and potassium. When mixed with 16 ounces of water, helps your body absorb more of the water and nutrients you drink directly into your bloodstream. It is a great product, and they've got lots of different flavors you can choose from. You can go right now and get 25% off at liquidiv.com when you use my first name, Eric, E-R-I-C-K, as a code at checkout. 25% off anything you order on Liquid IV's website. Go to liquidiv.com, enter my promo code Eric to get your savings, start getting better hydration. That's liquidiv.com. The promo code is my first name, Eric, E-R-I-C-K. Now don't wait. You start properly hydrating today and you let them know I sent you. Speaking of um, religion and religious persecution, I I mentioned yesterday I wanted to start a new thing on the program where we highlight a Georgia-based nonprofit every month. And we spend the month uh, just letting you know you can donate to them through my text messaging program. And the very first one we did is Help the Persecuted. It is a Georgia-based nonprofit that goes to predominantly Islamic countries and helps provide for Christian converts who are uh, fairly well treated horribly by their families, oftentimes killed. So Help the Persecuted finds safe houses for them, helps them with their asylum uh, if, if they need asylum, helps provide them uh, basic uh, supplies and needs to get them settled and more importantly, in areas where ISIS came through in the Middle East and wiped out a lot of people, now that ISIS has been destroyed, help the persecuted, helps these persecuted Christians come back to their towns and live again. If you want to help this great Georgia-based, and it's, it really is, it's it's Georgia-based, uh, and it's phenomenal. They go around the world doing this great work. You can text WSB, text the letters, no spaces between them, WSB, to the number 345345. And if you text WSB to 345345, I'll send you back a donation link. Uh, you can click that link and make a donation to help help the persecuted. They're a 501c3. Uh, you'll also get links to the show podcast. If you listen to yesterday's episode, you'll hear me talking to Josh Youssef, uh, who leads Help the Persecuted, about what they do. The phone number here is 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. Um, when we come back... We need to talk about the Democratic effort now that is official in Georgia to try to take back the Georgia House of Representatives. Uh, They're coming on strong. All of this drip, drip, drip in the media of these abortion stories is related to it. Before we get there, though, uh, the search is on for a new insurance commissioner. A lot of people are wondering why Governor Kemp did not initiate immediately a commission And I haven't talked to the governor's office, but I know the answer, even without talking to him, because it's in the state constitution. Uh, The governor cannot immediately appoint someone for one of these statewide offices. A commission has to be set up in order to investigate whether or not that person, the existing person, is capable of doing their job. Well, the existing person, Jim Beck, already uh, stepped aside from the job. He didn't leave the office, though. So he's still getting his paycheck. He's still getting his benefits. He's just not there. So, But the governor, because of a, a weird quirk in the Georgia Constitution, couldn't immediately appoint his replacement. He's got to have a committee set up. The committee's got to confirm that the guy's incapable of doing his job. Therefore, then the committee must find some names for the governor to pick. Uh, so that is going to happen. There will be a new insurance commissioner. The governor will make that pick. When we come back, though, the disaster bill has been signed or at least gone to the president and the Democrats plotting to take back over the Georgia legislature. 
Hello there, it is Eric Erickson here, News 95.5 AM 750 WSB. Uh, One piece of political news for you here, two pieces actually, Uh, Harrison Floyd has dropped out of the 7th District Congressional race. Uh, He launched his campaign a month ago uh, and said he actually wants to get out because he's hoping a state lawmaker will get in. He's talked to State Representative Todd Jones uh, and asked Todd Jones uh, if he would consider running. Um, I don't really know Todd Jones, but I will tell you what I do know about Todd Jones. He's from Forsyth County, and he is not on the list, to my knowledge, of people who want David Ralston removed. So um, that, that, that bodes poorly in, in my sense if you're running for congress you're running to clean up washington and you can't even take a position maybe he has i don't know uh let's see uh david clark names david ralston resolution hey listen i can talk and and do this on the fly um we'll see um let's see yes 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 um no i i don't i don't see that the name's there. I don't see his name on the resolution. So if that's the situation, then um, I think that you probably need to keep that in mind. Um, The other one is uh, that there's a new person in the 6th Congressional District who wants to run against Karen Handel and Brandon Beach, a businesswoman in Gwinnett County who is also already throwing punches, saying that uh, Karen Handel constantly campaigns and Brandon Beach is a uh, status quo politician or some such. Uh, the real news of the day, however, is that the Democrats are launching a new group to try to take back the House of Representatives in Georgia. Uh, the new group is Georgia House Majority Project. Uh, they claim to be spurred on by the fetal heartbeat legislation. The reality is that they wanted to do this anyway. Um They need 16 Republican-held legislative seats to take back the House of Representatives. Uh, Just to give you the lay of the land here, uh, the the House of Representatives, um, it's 105 to 75 in the House. There are 15 seats where the Republicans won by less than 55% including uh, Ed Setzler. See, Ed Setzler is from Ackworth. He is the author of the fetal heartbeat legislation, and the Democrats are making him prime target. They need a scalp uh, so that Republicans will think twice about social conservative legislation, so they need to take out Ed Setzler to make that happen. Uh, that is, that's what they're doing. Now, they're not pushing as aggressively for the state Senate, but they really want to take back the state House. One of the issues besides fetal heartbeat that the Democrats intend to use is... David Ralston. Behind the scenes, the Democrats have been collecting the data Republican activists have been have had out there about David Ralston getting legislative continuances for criminal defendants, uh, making sure their cases would never go to trial. They are interviewing the victims in those cases for ad campaigns. Yes, they are. Uh, one of the victims has already confirmed for me that uh, they have been interviewed by the Democrats to be part of the ad campaign, and they will willingly do so. 
And they're not even a Democrat. They, they, they voted for Governor Kemp, but they're so angry with the House Republicans, they are willing to essentially blow up the House Republican majority to take out David Ralston at this point. And I can't say that I blame her. Uh, and, and more coming in that regard. It's only a matter of time. The drip, drip, drip of these stories is going to come back. The Democrats are going to do it. And right now they are organizing and they're fundraising. I... So the way they're doing this is essentially they're going, maybe Stacey Abrams will play a role when she heads out to Hollywood next week, but they are going into the film industry and they're telling people in the film industry, essentially, uh, this law is going to get struck down and the Republicans are going to do a more narrowly tailored law after it's struck down. And the only way to stop that is for you to give us money to take back the House of Representatives. That's essentially the sales pitch. So they're going into the film community in Georgia. Uh, there are uh, people, in uh, freelancers and whatnot in film right now who are circulating a letter in Hollywood saying, if you're boycotting Georgia, you're essentially boycotting us. We've done all this work for us. Uh, we don't expect you to be loyal to the state, but please be loyal to us after all the the money we've made you in Hollywood. A lot of, a lot of people who would be impacted if Marvel were to leave. Now, the reality is, is the Washington Post reported this weekend Disney's not actually pulling Marvel out of Georgia. Even if this law is upheld by the Supreme Court, they're not actually going anywhere. They're essentially trying to dodge progressive activists right now, waiting for the next controversy to come along. The reason Georgia can't afford to leave uh, Georgia is financial. They have invested so much in the state, uh, it would be a deleterious financial impact on Disney in particular to leave the state. So they're not going anywhere. It's all a bunch of bluster. And you've got these outside consultants and, and cameramen and sound men and whatnot all telling the Hollywood studios that if you're boycotting Georgia, you're actually boycotting us. Don't do that to us. And now you've got Democrats in the state who are flying around to various Hollywood studios saying, hey, if you pull out of Georgia, Georgia goes back to being a red state. Why don't you help us take back the House of Representatives? And their sales pitch is multi multi-pronged. One, in the suburbs, they will go after Republicans who had less than fifty-five percent of the of their vote. But it's not just Atlanta. There are other parts of the state as well, and those other parts of the state don't have anything like me on the radio or whatnot uh, to uh, help uh, push back. They've got sympathetic media in other parts of the state. They have no local conservative voices to push back. The candidates may not necessarily know they need to campaign aggressively, so they'll pour money in there. Uh, the other issue they have is uh, you've you've got them claiming that uh, they will be able to mobilize black voters in the states with this extra money. You've got them claiming Stacey Abrams will help them. They're making their pitch to Hollywood studios. And it's actually, it's a compelling pitch. If you were a liberal, you would probably believe this stuff. You would probably believe Georgia is a swing state. The other pitch they're making is that the president can't win the White House without winning Georgia. And the more money that is invested in Georgia helping the Democrats take back the House representatives is money that the Republicans are going to have to spend just to shore up Georgia so that the president then cannot compete in Michigan, Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, New Mexico, Nevada, places like that. It's all a fundraising pitch as well. You pour in resources to Georgia as Democrats, the president's going to have to pour in resources just to hold the state. That's then going to limit the president's ability to pour resources into potential pickup states and other tough states. So they've got a very compelling pitch. I do have to give it to them. 
The problem I think Republicans have more than anything is, are they going to have candidates who take this threat seriously, and are they going to have a state party that builds the foundational structures for ground game to be able to, one, make personal face-to-face contact with voters, and two, get those voters, once they've committed, get them out to the polls to vote. Um, My sense is that David Schaefer knows how to do this, the new state party chairman, but he's going to have to have the resources to make that happen. And frankly, the other thing Republicans in this state have to have is they got to have some way to push back against the media. Look at the drip, drip, drip of stories that have come out from state news sources over fetal heartbeat. Look how they've covered the Netflix story and the Disney story and whatnot. Man, I've said whatnot like five times in the last 10 minutes. It's going to be a habit. But look at, look at all these stories and look how there really aren't any voices out there to respond in Georgia from a Georgia perspective. Republicans are going to have to figure out how to crack that nut and make that happen so that they actually are able to launch rapid response effectively across the state to not just their voters, but to interested voters who aren't fully committed. Okay, let me just give you an inside secret on how these podcast ads come about. First of all, we need the podcast ads. Um, We've got to be able to make the money to cover our costs. And I know some people don't like embeds. Thankfully, I've got a lot of great podcast advertisers. One of them is one I sought out. It's Quip, the electric toothbrush, because I was a Quip user and I like the toothbrush so much having tried the super expensive ones. I mean, I had an electric toothbrush that was $99, promised great sonic vibrations to clean my teeth. It was crap. Uh, And I didn't like having to travel with an extra charger. And and so I got a quip and then I was like, hey, maybe they'll advertise and they do. And I love it. So I got an email saying, hey, they got a new script for you. And let me give you the yada yada, the the quip. It's great for your grads. You got a graduate headed off to college or a college graduate. They want good, shiny teeth for their job interviews. Nice white teeth. Get them the quip. But I'll just tell you, I use the quip and I actually go to the orthodontist because I've got Invisalign braces and I go get them checked. And the orthodontist all the time is like, hey, are you bleaching your teeth? No, I've just got the quip. It does such a good job. More than a million people are happy with their quip. I am one of them, and I have been. It's only $25 if you go to getquip.com slash Eric right now. You get your first brush head refill pack for free. Thereafter, every three months for five bucks, you get a new brush head. That's your first brush head refill pack for free at getquip.com slash Eric. My buddy Fred on Twitter, who I think he still uses that Twitter name because I've referenced him enough on this program. People go in search of him, Fred on Twitter. He pointed out to me in a direct message on Twitter, and I think he's right. Uh, One of the things that is deeply frustrating is that the media is playing up the drip, drip, drip of these Hollywood studios leaving Georgia. They're exaggerating the story because... Most everyone in the business community in the Hollywood industry knows that it's not going to happen. Most everyone at these film studios expect the law to be held unconstitutional. And in fact, one of the reasons that they've been so straightforward in saying they're going to leave is because they know they can say that, placate the left, and not have to deal with the ramifications because the law is going to be thrown out. But contrast the media's coverage of these Hollywood studios saying this stuff to the lack of coverage of Stacey Abrams' legal troubles with the State Ethics Commission, 
with uh, the, the the past issues with voter registration for her voter registration group. We, we don't hear any of those stories. It is enough to make conservatives suggest that maybe, in fact, there is some sort of bias out there in the media. Um, a, another great one that I think needs to be considered is a thread from Tim Carney. Tim Carney is a conservative writer at the um, Washington Examiner. Tim Carney has been in the media for a very long time. He worked for the great Robert Novak back in the day. He worked for the, um, oh, what is it? The uh, Human Events. And Tim Carney has put up a thread on social media pointing out how many people on social media uh, who are reporters have revealed themselves to be highly liberal. And in so being highly liberal, they have exposed themselves and exposed their biases to the world. And to some degree that's helpful, but one of the downsides of it as well is that it's very clear the media is in a bubble and being in a bubble, the media is not really giving you the full side of the story. And they're ignoring stories that might otherwise be covered. So, for example, let me let me read you this from Tim Carney. Here's a fun fact. Look at the Twitter accounts of people who in recent years were straight news reporters at supposedly non-ideological outlets. You'll notice that 9 out of 10 are now openly liberal. So ask yourself, how should I? what should I assume about today's news reporters? Start with Linda Greenhouse, the liberal New York Times columnist who argues the court should invalidate any pro-life law informed by religious beliefs. She was a reporter covering the court for the New York Times, but supposedly unbiased then. If you follow the Obamacare debate by reading Capitol Hill publications, you were reading the reports of Jeff Young. Jeff Young was a good reporter, but now he's at the Huffington Post and he doesn't hide that he's on the left. Speaking of the Huffington Post, they have Kevin Robillard, who, to his credit, when at Politico, didn't hide his disdain for conservatives, but now lets the progressivism fly. Or there is, for example, Matt Fuller, who was a straight news congressional reporter for Congressional Quarterly and one of the other Hill publications before becoming a liberal reporter of the Huffington Post who specializes in hating Mike Pence. Look at these former reporters. You'll find many of them very, very liberal, and that shapes how they cover these issues. BBC Home Service. Here is a special bulletin read by John Snag. D-Day has come. Early this morning, the Allies began the assault on the northwestern face of Hitler's European fortress. The first official news came just after half past nine, when Supreme Headquarters of the Allied Expeditionary Force, usually called SHAPE from its initials, issued communique number one. This said, under the command of General Eisenhower, Allied naval forces, supported by strong air forces, began landing Allied armies this morning on the northern coast of France. It was announced a little later that General Montgomery is in command of the army group carrying out the assault. This army group includes British, Canadian and United States forces. The Allied Commander-in-Chief, General Eisenhower, has issued an order of the day addressed to each individual of the Allied Expeditionary Force. In it, he said, Your task will not be an easy one. Your enemy is well-trained, well-equipped and battle-hardened. He will fight savagely. But this is the year 1944. The tide has turned. 
the free men of the world are marching together to victory. I have full confidence in your courage, devotion to duty and skill in battle. We will accept nothing less than full victory. Good luck and let us all beseech the blessing of Almighty God upon this great and noble undertaking. That was the voice of John Snag of the BBC, the first announcer to announce that the invasion of D-Day happened 75 years ago this week. Um, I get emotional talking about D-Day um, because I, 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 when you appreciate what those men, many of them in their late teens, were doing, storming well-fortified beaches in northern France, knowing that if they did not, uh, the war effort would be lost. They had to do it. They had to storm the beaches. The, and the, the, the miracles that piled up as well, frankly. Um, listen to some of this from President Ronald Reagan, who gave a very famous speech on June 6th, 1984, the official anniversary of D-Day is June 6th. Uh, this very famous speech of his on the beaches of Normandy on that day, uh, he really puts We're here it in perspective. to mark that day in history when the Allied armies joined in battle to reclaim this continent to liberty. For four long years, much of Europe had been under a terrible shadow. Free nations had fallen. Jews cried out in the camps. Millions cried out for liberation. Europe was enslaved and the world prayed for its rescue. Here in Normandy, the rescue began. Here, the Allies stood and fought against tyranny in a giant undertaking unparalleled in human history. We stand on a lonely, windswept point on the northern shore of France. The air is soft, but 40 years ago at this moment, the air was dense with smoke and the cries of men, and the air was filled with the crack of rifle fire and the roar of cannon. At dawn on the morning of the 6th of June, 1944, 225 rangers jumped off the British landing craft and ran to the bottom of these cliffs. Their mission was one of the most difficult and daring of the invasion, to climb these sheer and desolate cliffs and take out the enemy guns. The Allies had been told that some of the mightiest of these guns were here, and they would be trained on the beaches to stop the Allied advance. The rangers looked up and saw the enemy soldiers, the edge of the cliffs, shooting down at them with machine guns and throwing grenades. And the American rangers began to climb. They shot rope ladders over the face of these cliffs and began to pull themselves up. When one ranger fell, another would take his place. When one rope was cut, a ranger would grab another and begin his climb again. They climbed, shot back, and held their footing. Soon, one by one, the rangers pulled themselves over the top, and in seizing the firm land at the top of these cliffs, they began to seize back the continent of Europe. 225 came here. After two days of fighting, only 90 could still bear arms. And behind me is a memorial that symbolizes the ranger daggers that were thrust into the top of these cliffs. And before me are the men who put them there. These are the boys of Puente Hook. These are the men who took the cliffs. Just one of the great speeches any president has ever given 
uh, is that speech. I encourage you to listen to the whole thing. Uh, Ronald Reagan's Normandy speech, you can find it online. It is a total of 14 minutes long, uh, and it's just, it's it's a tremendous speech. It, it's, it's bittersweet to talk about uh, D-Day 75 years ago because many of the men, if not all of them, well, I shouldn't say all of them, but most of them, the overwhelming majority of them are no longer here. Uh, they have, if they didn't give their lives on the beaches over time, they, they aged and are now dying at a tremendous clip. We are not very many more years removed before the last, uh, World War II veteran has died. We, we are only a few years removed from the last World War I veteran dying. Uh, and we commit their memories to history. We as a people, if you're born after World War II, even the Vietnam generation, but particularly those my age, uh, Gen X, uh, Millennials, uh, Gen Z, I guess they call the next generation, have no uh, living memory of a world at war like that, where ordinary people were compelled to do extraordinary things. The closest we may have is 9-11, where ordinary men were forced to storm into buildings on the verge of collapse to try to get as many people out as possible. Uh, people on airplanes uh, standing up to take back airplanes from captors, knowing what their fate would be if they did not. Uh, we, we don't often encounter these sorts of people, but they're there. Uh, we don't oftentimes have moments in history that ordinary men are called to be heroes. And yet here they were 75 years ago on Thursday, 18, 19, 20-year-old boys storming beaches to kill Nazis, to liberate an entire continent. And they did it. They did it because they had to do it. They, they did it not because they wanted to do it. They, they, they didn't do it thinking that they, they may not win. They did it and they knew they, they had to do it. They had to win. And so they did. And we should absolutely stop and honor and bear witness to what they did 75 years ago. The president of the United States has gone to Europe. He will be there to mark this momentous occasion with leaders from around the world, including from our old enemies, including from Germany, because the world called upon the free peoples of the world to stand tall for freedom, and they did. And I do sometimes worry, uh, would we do it again? I, I do sometimes worry when you look at the world, the infatuation with China and other totalitarian regimes, the rhetoric in this country that we are not a good country when, in fact, we are. Uh, would we do it? I, I, my suspicion is that, yes, we would. When called to confront the horrors of evil, we would stand tall and we would fight back and we would win. I hope we would win. And perhaps that day is coming, but it's not here now. And so many of us forget that it was here once. And we should all remember that 75 years ago this week, the young men of this country, of Great Britain, of France, of Canada, and many of the free people of the world stormed beaches to begin the liberation of an entire continent from evil. The nonprofit we're highlighting this month, the new thing, we just started it yesterday, highlighting a Georgia-based nonprofit every month uh, that you can contribute and support. You can adopt as your own, as the show does for a month. Uh, it's helped the persecuted. It is um, based here in Georgia, 
And if you want to contribute to the cause to help the persecuted, it is a nonprofit that helps persecuted Christians in the Islamic world. Uh, you can text WSB to 345-345 to find out more. Folks, I am headed to see my parents. I'll be gone for a couple of days. You guys stay safe, and I'll see you next week.